0: One of the things that I was feeling as a model and as an actress, really, you are a pawn in someone else's game. You are their vision. When you get to set, you let them do your hair, your makeup, dress you and photograph and light you however they want. And you really don't get to have a say in it.
1: Welcome to Ladies First with Laura Brown. I'm Laura Brown, editor-in-chief of Insta Magazine. Each week, I'm talking to a legendary lady about what she does, how she does it, and what we can learn from her. This week, we're revisiting a chat with my very first InStyle cover star, Emily Ratajkowski. Yes, she's a fox, but she's also a boss. She's known as an actress and model, but her passion is reframing perceptions of feminism and sexuality. And since we aired this, she's become a mama for the very first time. Welcome to Ladies First, Emily Ratajkowski. Who is best number one emily and i met at a rag and bone show is that correct
0: yeah so i think it was my first fashion week in new york i was living in a tiny little apartment in the east village and i was Mm -hmm. like super confused about why i was going to sit front row at a fashion show i was like why am i doing this again And my publicist was like it's really great you're going to be sitting next to this woman who's really cool you'll really like her and so I was very nervous and it was cold. I'm from California. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm, I was like, is this a cute look? Why am I here? Kept thinking that, you know, and you made me feel super comfortable. You were like the spark in the darkness. You were
1: wearing a baby blue kind of pant y thing, if I recall. And I have a crap memory, but I remember, like, this fetching gal in blue. Well, I'm happy to hear that I made an impression. And in the time since, in the seven years... Emily and I have known each other. Uh, one, we've become fast friends, and we've also worked together a ton. I wanted to work with her for my first cover of InStyle in 2016 because it was important to me that we registered acting, fashion, and, and a, a voice within one person, not just, I'm a model, I'm an actress, I'm, I'm a this and that.
0: That was a huge honor and such a great shoot, too. I love those images.
1: They're really great. And, and then, but before that, I'd shot you with no clothes on yes. at all as a Lady Godiva type figure for Harper's Bazaar on a horse.
0: Yeah, with
1: like a conversation with Naomi Wolf, which was really cool. So Ladies First is about women who, in my arbitrary nature, at first in what they do. And what Emily does so, so well is demonstrate ownership ownership of your mind, ownership of your body, ownership over how you project yourself. And in a way that confounded and defied a lot of expectations of what a a girl who looks like you would be. And I have huge respect for that. I remember very clearly you sitting down with Naomi Wolf and I, and you having absolute command of that conversation.
0: I do remember that conversation really vividly.
1: Yeah. And I remember like, she was quite quiet. I was like, okay, we're going to put this saucy pairing together and see and you just went and the orchestra started up and off you went and she was like oh and I was like there we go but for me I do think about ownership and and you wrote an essay for your New York magazine which is part of our upcoming book about ownership of your image how that has been abused how you've lost it how how you've tried to reclaim it you speak often about when you first became a visual when you were younger and your lack of confidence in that. And so I'd like to talk about how that started and how your confidence slowly grew. I think
0: that it's only been recently that I've sort of changed the way I look at this, but I really separated the image and the real Emily. It was right. a protective thing that I did, not consciously, you know, in order to handle what it was like to, you know, to have my body be the commodity, basically. Mm-hmm. i left school. And was working full time. And it wasn't like one of those things where I I left college to be like, I'm going to be a famous actress and model at all. But my plan was like, I'm going to go make money. It's an interesting thing to think about, but I'm not sure that it was necessarily like the healthiest way (laughs) to go about.
1: I mean, no, no, not for
0: anybody. And it's really only been sort of in my late 20s as um like a I think coming into being a really a woman which is so crazy because I think at 22 I would have told you that I was pretty much there but I realized like wow this is kind of like crazy that I have had this separation between the real Emily that you know will go to dinner with Laura Brown and then the one that's called a sex symbol by the world or whatever
1: right and I mean, boy, when you're at dinner with me, you know who the sex symbol is. It's quite clear. So you don't even try. It's
0: very easy with
1: you. And in this essay you wrote for New York Magazine, you talk about a photographer taking advantage of you. But uh, When did you start to have ownership of the way you presented? When did you sort of start putting two and two together? Oh, yes, yes, I'm a sex symbol. And yes, they like my boobs and my butt or whatever. But when it was like, it's become on my terms now.
0: Well, I think I realized that it was a way to achieve power to a certain extent. Right had brought me fame my big break came through blurred lines where I was obviously Mm -hmm. topless and I felt I was getting more money which you know is obviously a form of power I was the envy of a lot of other models who had been working for a long time and you know the object of desire for a lot of men which felt like well shit that's powerful right One of the ways that I sort of started to reclaim it was through posting my own images. And one of the things that I was feeling as a model and as an actress, really, you are sort of a pawn in someone else's game. You are their vision. When you get to set, you let them do your hair, your makeup, dress you, and photograph and light you however they want. And you really don't get to have a say in it, especially when you're first starting out. And so I think that through Instagram was one of the first ways that I started to feel like, oh, I'm in control. I can put my image out there how I wanna be. And as someone who had definitely experienced violation or what I write about in in the New York Magazine piece, about how a lot of people were taking my images and profiting off of them for themselves and ones that I didn't feel comfortable with them doing that Mm. with. It was sort of my way of like reclaiming my power and being like, I'm going to show my body how I want to. My iCloud was hacked. I was a part of the sort of big hacking with Mm. Jennifer Lawrence and a lot of other celebrities. So there was a lot of like, where do I get to be in control of my image? And it was really, you know,
1: through the internet in some ways. Ironic, isn't it? Tell me about well, the first time that you felt. Was it in that story from the photographer that your that your image had gotten away from you?
0: Mm. I think it started before that in smaller ways. I'd do a shoot for something. And then it would be used in a way that I ha- it wasn't intended for, that I had agreed to or was my understanding. So even just something as simple as doing a lookbook and then driving down Sunset Boulevard, I have a really vivid memory of seeing it on a billboard and being like, that was meant to be you know, a catalog image and now it's on a billboard, mm-hmm. what the hell? More than anything in that moment, I was like, well, they have to pay me um,
1: for that. <laughs> I'm getting um, a same here. Because that I'm was really, again, where
0: my mind was really grounded. I was like, well, the yeah. one thing I control is... How much money, you know?
1: Right, but right.
0: what I what I found more and more is I sort of started to be like, okay, this person needs to whatever, pay me for this usage or blah, blah, blah. That, you know, there aren't actually that many laws that protect women and models for the way that their their image is being used. There were so many examples of my image being used or taken or whatever in a way that I hadn't really wanted. So unfortunately, it was not just like a one-off experience. It was a continual kind of like... Trauma.
1: <laughs> it's interesting that you do refer to money quite a bit. Do you see that as as a control, a way to control those traumatic moments? Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Right. Like, okay, this sucked, and I feel violated, and I'm I'm completely out of context. But you'll pay me. Yeah. So you can say you will pay, and actually mean it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and also there was just I think there is this sort of feeling around the industry of like, well, what is what is the image that someone's putting out there? And I think even seven years ago, which wasn't that long ago, you know, it was really like, if you want to be an actress, then you really need to tone down the sexy. And I think that's still really true. I think it's a little less like now you have the euphoria actresses, I feel Mm. like are a good example of someone who's like, we don't care, like, screw that. But definitely, in general, that's sort of the messaging. And so you can imagine how as somebody who was trying to sort of build my career as an actress, how scary it was to have old shoots coming out. And feeling like, oh my God, I'm messing up and whatever, even though it wasn't actually me making the decisions. So in some ways I was like, well, you know what? It's going to feel really good posting my own bikini photo because then at least right. I'm the one taking the picture. I like how I look. I'm the one who's sharing it. And in some ways it was like a way of clogging out the stuff that I, I wasn't in control of.
1: Yeah. I, that's why I think this has is been, is you know, for, for celebrities, uh, you know, to be able to control your own narrative on, on Instagram. I think a lot of people say they appreciate that because you're able to be your own editor. And um, and, no, and and no, in a recent, you know, recent times, the way you've, you've displayed this is obviously you're pregnant. There's a baby in there and, and you really uh, manage this reveal really, really, really well too. And, I, and I've noticed, like, I mean, I'm sure you guys listening can tell this as well, but I know this, but this, this gal's a savvy gal. And not not a mercenary gal, but a savvy gal. And um and revealed uh your pregnancy on a digital cover of Vogue uh what was a month ago.
0: It was like um, five weeks ago.
1: So how did you ma- go, go okay how am I how will I manage this I'm not going to have this taken away from me. Too.
0: Yeah I'm really lucky to have an amazing publicist who actually was the person who basically introduced us and you know New York Magazine had just come out and we were really having a lot of conversations about control and mm-hmm. about image and when I told her I was pregnant we had a conversation of like well what is The one thing we definitely don't want happening is this leaking and being out of my control. And, like, Mm -hmm. the press just tells whatever story they want to tell and whatever because it got out. So we took it really seriously. I did not tell anyone. And then we made the decision to really quietly connect to Vogue so we worked with an old friend of mine Lena Dunham on the video mm-hmm. that was shot by my husband at home I was starting to show and it was just like okay how how can I do this in a way that really makes me feel good
1: and you nailed it and I saw you not long after that and we had dinner and you still had a crop top on and it was so great.
0: I've always said to people, I'm all about body positivity. And a lot of the time, other women or just critics will say to me like, well, easy for you to say, you know? Right first of all, it's how I feel comfortable dressing is like, I like bo- showing off my body. I like feeling connected to my body by wearing clothes that are maybe tighter. And um, yeah. that's certainly not changing during pregnancy. And I own like ready to wear and swimwear line. And I have just continued to be the face of it. And we're not a pregnancy line. Yeah. <laughs> There's not pregnant clothes. I've just gone up a size. And I'm happy. <laughs> I really want the message to be, you know, at least in how I feel and how I'm approaching my life right now is everything doesn't stop. I'm still working on my book. I'm still, you know, wearing bikinis and it doesn't have to change. I don't have to go
1: into hiding because I'm pregnant. No, you do not. And I was thinking you're an only child, as am I actually. And a characteristic of owning children, I think sometimes is really thrusting yourself into the world and really wanting to get on with it and get going. And now, of course, you're going to be a mother yourself. What are some of the things that you learn from your mom or, or or experiences you had as a kid that you do or do not want to sort of replicate as, as, as a mom yourself.
0: Oh man, it's so interesting how being pregnant brings up so much about the way you were raised in your childhood. Mm-hmm. And I do actually think that the way that you treat a baby lays the foundation for how they'll be in their whole life. So I've really tried to do and think a lot about teaching a baby to trust itself Mm -hmm. and to rely on itself while also being okay with asking for support. I think that we have a really weird approach to how we parent with babies where it's like either you are, you know, helicopter parenting and you're like wanting to fix every second when they're struggling with something, you're like right there to fix it. Or you're like, well, they have to cry it out and figure it out on their own. And right. I'm trying to find this balance of really having faith both in myself as a mother and as a parent, but also in my baby and being like, okay, you are feeling upset right now. I really want my child to feel capable, basically, and to trust their abilities and the way that they can also rely on me. Hopefully that's, that's something that as an adult, they'll also be able to carry mm. with them.
1: And when you were a kid, is there something, a, a thought process you had or something that you had to learn that you, you hope that your kid doesn't have to deal with?
0: I would say that definitely as an only child, you, you do have this really amazing feeling of like, I'm going to put myself out there in the biggest ways. And I'm so fearless. I think you and I definitely both have that quality. And sometimes that means overexposing yourself and like putting yourself out there in a way that you maybe is not always like necessary or the best thing for yourself. So I just want to really make sure that my child doesn't have that part of it.
1: But how have you worked on cultivating mystery?
0: Ooh, it's a hard one. I think it's a really tough balance in this world, bringing it back to control. I go to the grocery store, I'm probably going to go this afternoon, and there's a pretty decent chance that a paparazzi will follow me from my house and uh, it's a weird feeling because I'm like I don't want you to photograph me I think it's a little too much I'm sick of everyone seeing my pregnancy outfits every day but I'm also not going to hide in the house because I'm afraid or because I want more mystery or whatever I think that's problematic I don't think that Mm. would make me happy I want to be able to go to the grocery store when I want to go to the grocery store
1: and also when you guys got married you and and Siva got married how long now Two years? Three years
0: in February, which is crazy. I know.
1: Crikey. God, you've really really packed it in. She's not even 30. But you also, you got married at City Hall.
0: Yeah, we got married at City Hall. We did not tell really anyone except the people that were coming. And we kind of did it our own way. I like to do things my own way. And that's the thing that makes me the happiest. I don't know if it's always the best thing or not, but certainly it just brings me the most satisfaction.
1: Welcome back to Ladies First with Laura Brown. I'm talking with my good friend, Emily Ratajkowski. By the time we spoke, he was expecting the first baby, who now has magically appeared. Who in the business, and the business could be Hollywood acting, writing, whatever, have you learned things from in the last few years? And who, and to your point, I, I, I love your example of the Euphoria girls, or I always think of like Rowan Blanchard, these girls that are right now being like, I'm sexy. So who do you defer to? Who have you been learning from? And who do you see sort of coming up that is on a similar track.
0: Oh, I mean, I think there's so many amazing young people right now. As far as young women, I definitely think the Euphoria, I think Sydney Sweeney, Alexa DeMay, is that how you say her last name? I think so. Um, Yes, yes. And Barbie Ferreira, I think that they're really cool and they're definitely doing it their own way. And it's really exciting to see that from my perspective. I just think there's so many people who are doing interesting things, but what I like to do is look at a wide array of like eclectic people. So as far as the business goes, we can talk about this in different ways. Like with writing, it was really important to me to find an editor and a publisher who it will give it to me straight and be brutal and push me as hard as possible. I was not interested in working with someone who was like, you've done it. It's great. Cool. I really wanted to to be pushed with my writing and my work and to do it right. Mm-hmm. And then as far as like business with the, with the actual, um, my line, we actually have had our biggest year ever. And it's been an amazing, but also terrifying year, obviously, because we're very proud that we make all of our swimsuits in Los Angeles. And yeah. with COVID, it got really tricky. The space that they were working in was not socially distanced. So a lot of things were delayed. But what I've learned is to build a really amazing team finding the balance between trusting yourself but then also learning to delegate and find people who are really good at what they do and can contribute if you can strike the balance there then you have hit a sweet spot
1: yeah and what are you the most confident in and what are you the least
0: oh i Right now I'm the most confident in working hard. I don't know if that's a thing you can be <laughs> confident in, yeah. but I'm definitely in a stage like I'm writing a lot right now and I'm just feeling really confident in not necessarily the end result, but just knowing that I'm going to keep working is a super fulfilling and and gratifying experience. I'm definitely nervous about being a mom. I mean, it's such a new identity i mean it's been really in some ways hard like writing about other parts of my life while really all i can think about is what's coming and this baby and how i'm going to be responsible for them and what it's going to mean to you know have this new identity so i'm i don't know if i'm not confident in it but i'm certainly like Wary and I'm
1: new. I'm new, you know. You're new. I haven't done this before. What can I tell you? How much prep are you doing? Do you read like what to expect or what? I mean, that's like iconic book, but do you do that stuff?
0: I have a doula, so I've been Mm -hmm. sort of like letting her tell me about things and teach me. I'm very fortunate. I have my very best friend from way back in the day. Child development is her specialty. Ah. So she has been providing me like books like Educare and building a family and whatever. And it's actually just so interesting to learn about that as, as someone who's interested in psychology and like therapy and whatever to think about How you apply that to a baby is really cool. Mm. I've been doing some of that, but also some of it's just, I mean, just feeling like safe and in love with my husband has been really nice.
1: Megan, look, this whole COVID time sucks, but if if, if you're going to be at home, it's a good time to be pregnant and to just indulge that for whatever, because the minute that baby comes out, you're going to work, girl. I know I'm going to work. So I'm trying to finish writing the,
0: the rest of the essays before the babies do. So it's like very like baby and book. Like my body's working yeah. on the baby and my mind's working on the book. And that's that.
1: And as you get more pregnant, you'll be able to put the laptop on your own stomach.
0: I did it yesterday for the first time. <laughs> it's just it's crazy you go from 20 to like 26 weeks and the baby doubles in size or something crazy like that in that span I was looking at pictures and I'm like oh oh wow this is different
1: And has your, you. Yeah, I mean, you look good. You have energy. You, you. Thanks. Yeah, far I've been really yeah.
0: lucky. My one of my very good friends is three weeks in front of me, and she had terrible morning sickness for the first trimester and stuff like that. And I've just felt really knock on wood great so far. I'm not the most physically active person in the world, so trying to like <laughs> implement that now that you know I'm carrying all this this little guy inside me has been a new a new development. But yeah.
1: What are you doing? A little like the (laughs) a little stretch, a little roll from one side to the other. I mean, I'm taking
0: walks, which is really what they say. But I did this one kind of prenatal aerobics moment that just really didn't work out for me. So now I'm going to try prenatal Pilates. (laughs) (laughs) So wish me luck.
1: I guess when you go to the grocery store because there's going to be Pepsi, you always you have to look cute, right? I mean, you must have to put. So not making these sounds superficial, but if you know you're going to get a photograph, you pull yourself together right
0: yeah it's so hard now like I used to be like well I like to just look cute in general which is true like I definitely like to get dressed and feel good about myself but yeah of course I am totally aware that there might be you know 20 pictures that the world sees a couple hours later and so I try to look cute which I mean I I'm still kind of trying to decide how I feel about that because I don't want to have to always be wearing the perfect out like I definitely try not to wear the same thing the next day if I've already been photographed and it's a weird position I'm like should I be doing that or should I just say screw it I don't know
1: and the fact that that has to occur in your head whenever you leave the house that's also the question you ask why is this a question but that's that's what happens
0: yeah and finding okay here's the reality and like now what do I want what what's going to make me feel the best
1: you might as well look, if they're going to take a picture, of you chuck on an Amarata somewhere and go, yes, it's available on my website. As somebody who's known, you're often so validated by people and that can become very seductive. When did you first start to reconcile that people weren't going to like it, weren't going to like what you did, as irrational as that may be?
0: I think I had started to do that really early because as a working model, you really get used to rejection. I was super used to going into castings, people taking my picture and like looking at me like, why are you here? You know? So I think that I was almost maybe too prepped for that. That definitely messes with you a little bit. I think that I just sort of started to accept also that there is like a little bit of a game of telephone going on sometimes in the world, which is why I love writing so much because it's really clear and concise. If it's well-written, it's very much there, you know, I do think it's very difficult sometimes to have that feedback and the validation is just, I don't care who you are. Like it's just such a crazy, high I mean we all experience it on different levels right you post it doesn't matter if you have 30 followers or 30 million you get you know three likes on one picture and 10 on another you're like oh wow I guess people really didn't like this other picture Mm -hmm. and it's just the world we live in right now I'm hoping my younger generations have a better relationship to it
1: because it is it's hard to separate I mean if you if someone said to you you can't be on Instagram for a week you wouldn't
0: sometimes i try it's hard because like instagram such a part of my the way that i've you know had control but also mm-hmm. inamorata is a direct consumer mm-hmm. business like that's how i launch products that's how i share what's going on with my life so you know there is just that sort of practical aspect to it but as far as emotionally like i might even feel a little relieved for someone to say like you can't go on instagram for a week during covid i remember bella hadid took off like right. a week or some, some time and we talked about it afterwards and she was like, let me tell you, like it was so necessary and so great. So I think if you can just set those boundaries for yourself, sometimes it can be really helpful.
1: Why when people like your essay, they like it for your essay, but, oh, but guess what? On, on Instagram is a picture of you more often than not. And that's, that's a slippery slope. Yeah. And it's strange
0: because there's a lot of things I've done, but definitely a lot of people know me based on how I look.
1: How did you get your runway walk down, by the way? Is it something you really have to practice?
0: I still don't think I'm that good. I'm not a runway model. I'm 5'7". I've done, like, I don't know, maybe 6 or something.
1: (laughs) And you've really got to to keep your focus because there's so many... I find it's quite the... I was thinking if aliens came down and watched this little ritual, they'd be like, what? Like,
0: why is that happening? Yeah, well, you... I mean, you have been to more fashion shows than, I mean, I could ever, ever handle.
1: Yeah, and I think, well, you know, look, if I hadn't been... I wouldn't have met you, would I? That's true. In your powder blue, and uh, all right. So we have something we just call ten firsts. It's just ten cheeky little quezzies. Love it. Okay. First things first.
0: So I know this, but
1: first drink you order. Like in in life, or in yeah, in normal times when you might be having. Normal an
0: times, dish. definitely a red wine or a gin martini. Hendrix, dirty extra olives. But sadly, there are two factors going on right now. One, COVID, and two, pregnancy. So the drink I order now is just a sparkling water.
1: Emily is a great connoisseur of the vin rouge. And one of my, my, my images of Emily, is make, she's not a fall-down drunk. She's really not. She's more of a sit-up drunk. No, just, it's Emily sitting there in looking fetching in whatever city we're in and with a nice big... Beautifully handled glass of red. I always always think about that with you.
0: God, I mean, nothing brings me more joy, truly. Uh, I mean, it's funny. I haven't missed it or craved it at all, but um, I will definitely, I look forward to indulging.
1: Me too. Okay. First thing you look at on your phone in the morning.
0: Um, Text messages, then email. Then I look at our Shopify usually to see what we did the day before. And then Instagram.
1: Do you have a hard time putting down the phone at night before you
0: go to bed? I'm okay with night because I get really sleepy at night. Like, I'm one of those people who's like, I can't talk to anyone. I am now in a different place. But in the morning, my husband sleeps later than me naturally. Like, his deep sleep comes in the morning. So he'll still be passed out and my dog's still passed out. And it's, like, a little too early and I can just... I can kill an hour on my phone, which I don't think Mm -hmm. is the best way to start the day. So like this morning I woke up before him and I just got up and went and made a, you know, coffee and got a big glass of water and started writing because I was like, I don't want to spend an hour looking at outfits on Instagram or whatever.
1: Looking at everybody's quarantine looks.
0: Yeah. Or like reading, you know, it's been quite a year for news. It can be very (laughs) overwhelming, you know, to be on Twitter and just, you can go down holes. (laughs)
1: And you don't want to be actually pregnant and in the fetal position yourself. Never good. Okay, first person you call.
0: First person I call would be my husband or my very dear friend, Babs, Barbara.
1: Yeah, your dear. Oh, her name is Babs. I think everyone, can Babs be my dear friend? Because I think everybody is better off with a dear friend called Babs. I mean, we
0: were talking about her name the other, because I've been thinking about names a lot, obviously, mm. having to name a person. And we were like, God, Barbara's just like such, like, Such an insane name.
1: But I I
0: really do start, especially for somebody under the age of 50, you know?
1: No, Barbara's need to have an at-home bar with some sort of leopard. Sometimes it's like, it sounds like Bob. You heard it here. Emily's naming her non-sex reveal enigmatic baby, Babs. You're welcome. Okay, first and most recent uh, fashion splurge. First
0: fashion splurge. I'm a little ashamed to say was um, for an event I didn't like have a stylist or anything yet and I was going to a fancy party in New York and I went and bought an Herve Leger. Black <gasps> dress. And actually, you know, I wore Herve Lugere last year and I loved it. So mm-hmm. not shit talking, but it was quite expensive. And it was like the band. It was the bandaid da- dress. And I remember being like, I can't believe I'm buying this like $800. It's not, it wasn't even, you know, so crazy compared to what other things are. But it like yeah. blew my mind. Um, but, you know, it did the was it? it was black. Was it- Thank God. Black. Thank God. Thank God. It wasn't like baby blue or pink or something.
1: And then recent,
0: recent splurge. God, you know, I haven't really been spending much money yeah. other on myself, except for, yeah. you know, baby stuff.
1: Or home stuff. Because, I, I mean, you're, you're really, um, you know the term house proud? Like, it's a very British term, but it's like, you really like to, you really like to take care of your home, furniture, art, whatever. So what have you been doing with the house? Our
0: nursery is going to be space themed. Um, but I did buy <laughs> a very cool, like, space rug through the nursery.
1: Can you please come and do my house in the same theme?
0: You know what I might splurge on soon is mm-hmm. like a good, cool rocking chair because a lot of the like rocking chairs are just not that cool. They just are kind of yeah. ugly. And I'm, I, am you know, I'm buying a chair that I probably keep for a while. So I'm trying to find a cool one on like first dibs or I don't know something. So we'll see what I end up with. It's gotta be cool, but it's also to so be comfortable.
1: And when you do get that magnificent rocking chair, please model bikinis for an Amarato on it. So we can have like a mixed message like, I might one day I'll be old in this, but now, yeah. Yeah. Okay. If there's one particular moment you can cite, first time you owned your shit, like publicly. Owned my shit. Oh, this
0: is too hard. I feel like you know. (laughs) (laughs) I can't speak for you.
1: (laughs) but I, I think it was how I've known you that interview with Naomi Wolf. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that that um, definitely was a huge moment of owning my shit. I think that, you know, also one of the moments that a lot of people kind of, you know, after blurred lines came to me and were like, oh, this video is misogynistic, whatever. What do you think of it? And I was like, well, I'm a feminist. And it was really before, you know, like Beyonce had like danced in front of a feminist sign and people were wearing feminist shirts, obviously there were a lot of identifying, but the idea that like a model who was known for being naked, being a feminist Mm -hmm. felt really problematic to people. And I was just like, well, yeah, but this is me. And I didn't try to like clean up sort of my identity. I was really just like open about that. And I think that was probably a moment of owning my shit. Although like my politics and my worldviews have changed in a lot of ways. I, I stand by the fact that I didn't try to, Just be like, well, whatever. You know, I don't have anything to say. I'm glad that I had
1: something to say. I noticed that you were sort of, you were like sort of the third way. You were redefining how women could be seen in the culture and just being like, yeah, guess what? My boobs are out. Guess what? I'm a feminist. Guess what? They can coexist and it was blowing people's minds.
0: Yeah. I think I just, I've always had like different sides to me. There was, there were, I think a lot of different ways my life could have gone that weren't necessarily the way that it has gone. And instead of sort of like trying to clean it all up and put it under one umbrella that felt really clean and nice, I sort of embraced the, the whole gamut and I'm happy I did that. Okay. First date. Oh God. Dates are weird, right? I remember actually this boy who I definitely didn't think that was was very cute, but he was so nice. Took me out on a date in high school. I was probably like 15. And he picked me up in like his truck and took me to this Mexican place. And I was so not interested in him that I actually insisted on paying the bill. (laughs) because I just was like, I can't like let him pay this bill. I don't want to have to owe him anything. And I really don't want him to get the wrong message that I was like at all interested. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh no, I'm your friend. Like I'll get this one, you know? And then like later got home and was like, God like damn it. Why did I pay that bill for this little kid, you know? And he was like older than me, he was like 17, but
1: he could have definitely paid the bill. But you have returned to your, one of your dominant themes, Emily which is control and money and ownership and going like, this is a situation that it makes me feel a bit wibbly wobbly. Yeah, so I'll just. So let
0: me sort it out. Yeah, and I was doing that at 15 on a weird date, so.
1: You, you know, you're consistent. That's true. Consistency is key. Okay, first thing you turn on TV.
0: Oh, God, I have really, 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 really love The Great British Baking Show. I really do. I just enjoy Prue, I enjoy Paul Hollywood. I'm just so grateful for it. The holiday edition is coming out in a few days. and <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. It
1: brings me deep joy. Deep joy, The how charming the people are, you know? But they're, they're also collegial. They're not like, hey, I'm gonna get her at all.
0: There's a seriousness, obviously. They give real feedback and they're pretty brutal. They'll kick off some of my favorite people were kicked off in this last season, but they just, it's very funny and very goofy and I really enjoy it.
1: And it just something that comes from a, a universally good, good uncynical cynical place. Uh, and, uh, and that's all too, uh, as it has been in this year, this political cycle, uh, all too rare. So uh, I hear you. Okay, first thing you do or eat if you're stressed.
0: I really love Thai food. It deeply comforts me. Or Chinese food, of course. I'll order like a yellow curry and just, you know, cozy up and turn on Great British Baking Show and there we go, healed.
1: And then asleep by 9.30. Exactly. Okay, first car you bought.
0: First car I bought was a Nissan Versa. It had been destroyed in a car crash and then rebuilt. Resuscitated. <laughs> yeah. And I bought it in Chula Vista for cash and she served me well for many years. I was super grateful to her and um yeah.
1: And lastly, what's the first thing you'll do when this goddamn pandemic is over?
0: Oh my god. I'd really love to have a big baby shower party and I just don't think that's gonna happen. So I wish that I could do that, but I'd love to do something similar to that. Just throw Mm -hmm. a good party with a bunch of people I love. I certainly would love to end up in Japan or Italy. I've told my (laughs) husband, like, we are bringing the baby. Like, I don't care. It's going to happen. And those are the two places that are on the top of the list. And you will. And you can just put a little baby in a little knapsack. We'll see. Again, all of these things are great in theory, but I can't talk until I've walked the walk.
1: And well, that's what we've all' that's what we've all learned you're going to learn it in actual physical practice, but we've all learned this over this time or whatever uh, iteration of life we're in. So, Emily, first lady, ladies, first, you struck me when I first met you as a really solid person you, and to see you, and I say this all the time that your auntie, i'm I'm so proud of you uh, and how you represented yourself, how you have claimed your own voice and and how you demonstrate complete and utter ownership of what you do. So onward, and you're not even 30, you little shit, but that's cool. Godspeed. Thank you so much,
0: Laura, and the feeling is 100% mutual. It's been so exciting to watch you take over in style and now to do this, and I'm always cheering on from the sides. But also, thank you for, you know, seeing me. That's very nice too.
1: Thanks for joining my chat with Emily Radikowski. Drop in next week when I talk to Emmy Award nominee and general legend, Uzo Aduba. This has been Ladies First with Laura Brown. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us so you don't miss an episode, and we love your feedback. If you could please rate us and leave us a review, oh, we'd love it. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Saab, Danielle Roth, Anne Ford, Anne Kane, and Erica Wong. And thanks to Brian Anstey, Molly Stout, and Hayley mason style. You can find out more at InStyle.com and find us on Instagram at InStyle Magazine, on Twitter at InStyle, and you can find me on Insta and Twitter at LauraBrown99. See you next week for more Ladies First with Laura Brown.